Well, good evening. How are you? Chris Renwick with the day off. So you are stuck with uh, yours truly, Sean Belegian, and Eric Dork here, Dorch here on <laughs> Sports Rap. Did you like how I did that? That was a Sports Freudian Rap here here on 760 WJR. Uh, another exciting weekend. I, I must confess, it was a strange weekend having both Michigan and Michigan State off. Uh, both teams, of course, have the bye week before the big uh, matchup in Ann Arbor next week. But, Eric, I I've been waiting to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm serious. Okay. You know what side of the fence I sit on. I do. I know what side of the fence you sit on. It's true. Sometimes an objective viewer has a better perspective of your team than you do. I Sometimes, not always. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know what I, I, I saw yesterday? And let me expound on that in, in just a moment. Okay. But I watched a few Big Ten games yesterday. Okay. And you know what I saw yesterday? I think that Michigan right now, right now, today, <clears throat> is the best team in the Big Ten. I saw your tweet. I did. And oh, I, did you? I, okay. I did, and I was going to. Uh, I thought about texting you slash responding, and uh, I, I would like to. I would like to hear your reasoning above any of anything else because I don't know if I agree, and that's weird to say because we know what side of the fence I sit on. So I would like to know what your where you are basing this. Let me on. let me start first with the the simple thing. Um, okay. The eye test. That's the first. That's the first thing. And and how would I quantify the eye test for this? Mm -hmm. I think a combination of what I'm seeing defensively, uh, what I'm seeing vibe wise, and in particular what I'm seeing offensively. And and here's here's why I say this. Here's why I say this. Yes, I get it. Ohio State turned it on and ran past Ohio Iowa yesterday. Literally mm -hmm. steamrolled them. Uh, did you watch the first half of that game? I saw pieces of it. I, I I was kind of changing around. So I saw little bits and pieces of it, yes. It was a sloppy plotting, allowing a not very good Iowa team to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And what it reminded me of was the game last year between Michigan and Michigan State, Michigan and Ohio State. If, if, your offense is sputtering and taking some time to get going. And, and let's not forget uh, game one of the season. It wasn't a very good performance against Notre Dame as well for the Buckeyes. But if you have that kind of performance against Michigan, I'm convinced that Michigan has 28 points on the board at halftime. Convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. And the trajectory of, of the game becomes a brand new one. Now, I'm not going to sit here today on October 23rd and say a month from now, and it is just a little over a month from now, a month from now, Michigan is going to go into Ohio State and knock off the Buckeyes. I, I still think Ohio State is a team to beat just by virtue of, of being in the shoe. But right now, today, with the eye test put to this, I think Michigan's look like the best team in the Big Ten this year. I really do. You, you know, honestly, like the, the Michigan fan in me wants to jump immediately. I hear you say that, and I'm like, that's right. I'm there. I'm there. 
And I, I still, I can't argue it because of, like you said, the eye test and the fact that they, I, I said it last week, they seem to be a more complete team. They may not be a better team than last year, but they, they seem to be a more complete team. So, but the thing is, because the rivalry has been so one-sided for so long lately, it's hard for me to say that we're better than Ohio State until we're actually on the same field as Ohio State. And that's partly because Ohio State puts up these big, you know, games, you know, 54 to 10 over Iowa. Now we beat Iowa 27 to 14, so it's a closer game. But because they put up these big games, it's really hard to say, oh, yeah, we're, we're way better than them. But once you get on the field, you realize – better teams match up differently with better teams. So it's just hard to say until that November meeting that we're that much better than them. But I feel like we're definitely in a ballpark where it's going to be competitive no matter what. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to be really intrigued to see how it goes because again, I mean, I'm taking nothing away from the Buckeyes when they get it going, that offense looks near unstoppable. I mean, really. And I, I think right now, in my humble opinion, and I'm I'm not allowed to tell you which way I'm leaning. I apologize for that. But as a Heisman voter, I think this is very quietly kind of become a two-horse race uh, between Hendon Hooker at Tennessee and C.J. Stroud. But this is a couple times now this year, Eric, that, that I've seen the Buckeyes kind of sputter for a while before they got it going. Now, they didn't run away and hide from Notre Dame. They won the game, which is all that matters. And, of course, yesterday they ran away and hid from Iowa, which has one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing to me. And I was joking with with some of my buddies, uh, Spencer uh, Petrus, it's, it's incredible to me, A, how long he's been at Iowa, and B, for all the things that Kirk Ferentz has done, how he hasn't been able to upgrade at that position. Because... Mm. Spencer looks the part. He's 6'5", 230. There's one little problem. He can't throw. No. He cannot throw. It is absolutely amazing watching them. But I, they allowed Iowa to stay in the game. And as I'm watching that first half, I'm thinking to myself, if this is Michigan, Michigan might have two, three, four touchdowns on the board while Ohio State's trying to find themselves. And, and Eric, mm -hmm. in my humble opinion, that was half the battle last year. You know, it, it really was for Ohio State last year. They 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 found themselves in a hole, and you know you can you can only keep swinging uh, uphill for so long. I mean, you you really that's the way it goes. You know, they got in that hole, and it was like, uh oh, well, we're going to turn our offense on, but at the same time. We can't stop Michigan either. I mean, as you remember, Haskins went off, had a buck 69 or whatever the case it was. So mm -hmm. I'm not making any proclamations. I, I still think that this is Ohio State's conference to lose just by virtue of the fact that they're at home. But right now, I, man, I think Michigan looks the best out of what I've seen. I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, Ohio State this year has been very much a, we're not going to be able to stop you, so we have to outscore you. And sometimes they can get stops, but uh, I, I it, again, it's it's tough for me as a Michigan fan to not get too far into the, uh, you know, on the boat and start believing in it. But I, I do think that Michigan is playing very good football right now. They don't seem to have a lot of weaknesses. And I think that if they can keep playing the way they're playing, they're absolutely going to give Ohio State a hard time, especially like you said, if Ohio State takes a quarter, quarter and a half to figure out, you know, what's working and what's not working. All right, it is Sports Wrap here on a Sunday night. So glad you could join us. Of course, Gridiron Wrap is coming up. 
Uh, Eric, we're also keeping an eye on the MHSAA pairings, looking very forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, been a lot of fun watching the high school uh, season uh, go before our eyes. I want to go around the nation and uh, maybe ask you a little bit about what you saw in college football yesterday. You know, again, Michigan, Michigan State are off. So I think a lot of people maybe tuned into games they wouldn't normally tune into. Um, I, I'll say it again, and I think sometimes to the chagrin of my partner on Gridiron Rap, Eric, Every year, that gap between my college football fandom and my NFL fandom gets wider and wider. I absolutely adore college football. I said that to you earlier this week about that, that college football is just keeps climbing and NFL just kind of does. It just stays there a little bit. So, yep, no I'm doubt about it. All right. He's Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you can join us on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR. Well, Sean Belegian, Eric Dortch sitting in for you. Sports wrap here on 760 WJR. Yes, we'll get into the Lions. Uh, by the way, Bryce Harper hits a two-run homer in the eighth inning. The Phillies come from behind, knock off the Padres four to three. The Philadelphia Phillies, Eric, are going to the World Series. That's wow. Just wow. That's all I can really say right now. I uh I, watching these games, I really did think the Padres were gonna, you know, we're gonna get it done. I really did. Well, how about Dave Dombrowski doing mm -hmm. it again? President of Baseball Operations for the Phillies. Uh, you know, uh, all that talk of destroying the firm system. You know what? He's been able to win multiple World Series championships in multiple places, except here. Right where we wanted him to. <laughs> I want to get back to some college football in a little mm -hmm. bit, but uh, you and I were talking uh, during the break about uh, the Lions' loss today. Uh, in in case you missed it, um, yeah, another one of those losses today. Um, mm -hmm. Eric, today felt like a chore watching this football game for me. Did you did you get that same feeling? It it really it felt like a chore today. Yeah, no, I there was a point in the game and I was texting with our, our friend and colleague, Jason Fissler, who is a Cowboys fan. We were kind of going back and forth. But I, there was one point where I was like, you know what? I have multiple other channels I could be watching and I'm watching this. And it was it was just a little bit of a taxing, taxing thing. Uh, big fumble, huge fumble in the early portion of the fourth quarter when it looked like uh, the Lions were going to take the lead. And in typical Lion fashion, it's Jamal Williams' first fumble of his career on a first and goal from the one. He fumbles. The Cowboys get it. Uh, they didn't do anything with the ball, but an implosion of a fourth quarter. Uh, and in case in case you missed it, the fourth quarter looked uh, something like this. It was interception. Fumble, fumble, fumble. That was the fourth quarter today. Yeah. I wish I was making that up. I'm sure most of you watched it, but unbelievable, unbelievable today um, that that played out the way that it did. Uh, the Lions fall to one and five. And Eric, I'm going to say it again. For me personally, I, I really still wasn't expecting a lot of wins this year. Mm -mm. I was expecting improvement. And quite frankly, we are not seeing that in year two of the Dan Campbell regime. 
I, I will, I, I agree. I think we're seeing it, but unfortunately we're not seeing it in any form of consistency. One week, the offense looks great. They're doing phenomenal. The defense can't stop, can't stop anyone. The next week, the defense looks actually pretty serviceable. Like they might be able to handle it. Offense can't get on. This is two weeks in a row now. The Lions, not in a row, they had a bye, but obviously two weeks, last two weeks, uh, the Lions haven't found the end zone. They have scored six points in two weeks, and that that can't happen when you have a offensive line that's as good as it is and all the potential weapons they have. Jared Goff is more than a serviceable quarterback to be able to find the end zone, and they just they can't seem to do it. The defense didn't look terrible for through three quarters, but then all the air goes out. Deep, and our offense just can't seem to hold on to the football. So I see minor improvement, but I agree. It's nowhere near the amount of improvement we should be seeing in a second year uh, of a head coach. You know, it's interesting, Eric, because I – I literally sit back and say to myself, um, my opinion on Jared Goff has not changed one bit. I, I think that he's a bridge. I think that he is the guy until the next guy comes. And even, you know, in those moments, the flirtations, if you will, of being even a good quarterback, I think late last year and the early portion of this year, um, the negatives outweigh the positives with Jared Goff. And one of the things that I always cited before um, he came to the Detroit Lions is, you know, he, he was kind of a turnover machine his last few years with the Rams. And there's a reason why the Rams made that deal. And boy, we saw it today. Two interceptions, two fumbles. You're just not going to win football games when you make those kinds of mistakes. You know, I, I, you, this doesn't happen very often, but I have to disagree. I really do. I think Jared Goff could be that guy. And I've said that for the last, you know, about a year and a half. I think, we, and as we've seen, when that offense is clicking, Jared Goff is a guy that can absolutely find the guy, get the touchdown, move the ball. The last couple of weeks, you know, you've had St. Brown came into the game out with a concussion. Swift, our number one weapon, hasn't been able to find the field. They're playing with some backups. Jamal Williams couldn't get anything going on the ground. I personally do believe that if that offense clicks like it does and the right pieces are there, Jared Goff is a guy that you can absolutely win football games with. He was a first overall pick for a reason. The Rams, yes, he did turn into a, he had some turnover issues, but I also feel a lot of that Rams stuff was that him and McVay, they just weren't on the same page. He wasn't McVay's guy. Not to say McVay ran him out of town, but I think that a change of pace was what both sides needed. I think Jared Goff could absolutely be the guy. He won't be. The Lions will probably end up taking a quarterback in this year's draft or finding another uh, finding one, but I absolutely think Jared Goff could be the guy. I just think the really good moments and, and sometimes even good moments are too few and far between for Goff. Okay. I, I, I really do. And that's that's I've I've felt that way for a few years now. Mm -hmm. Um you know I, I've talked to some people that feel like um defense has figured out what Jared Goff is. And again, that's not taking anything away. I mean, he's had a couple of really, you know, great games this year. But overall, you know, is is he that QB one? I, I just I don't think he is. And I, I'd love to be proven wrong. I, I I don't. In a perfect world, you wouldn't see one of the lion, one of these extra lions picks, whether it be the high pick that they're inevitably going to get this year. I hope mm -hmm. people have accepted it, or whatever the Rams pick may be. 
I, I would like to see the Lions address issues elsewhere and not have to worry about the quarterback. But I have a feeling we're going to be worrying about the quarterback. It's uh, it's very, very possible. It, I wouldn't – if you ask me right now, I think that team has to be looking at quarterbacks as in that first round. One of those first two picks right now probably has to go to a quarterback. Uh, I, I wish it wasn't the case like you do. I think there's other places they need to improve at far more. But, you know, at, at some point you have to address what you feel is the biggest problem. And I'm sure a lot of Lions fans feel that Jared Goff is top of that list. Well, it's unfortunate. Again, the Lions uh, lose today to the Dallas Cowboys. I know wherever Jason Fisler is, he's happy. Uh, <laughs> boy, it, it took that Cowboys offense long enough to get going. I think a lot of people thought heading into this one that you were going to see. I, I mean, I know I did, Eric. I, I thought for sure that we were going to see Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott run all over them. Now, for what it's worth, Pollard ends up with 83 yards, almost seven yards of pop. Mm-hmm. Elliott, 57 yards, but got in the end zone a couple of times. Uh, Dak Prescott looked like he was shaking off rust all game. The Dallas Cowboys improved to 5-2. and two. The Lions, of course, fall to 1-5. and five. And when you look ahead at this schedule, Eric, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, Miami comes in next week. Uh, Green Bay at home, who suddenly looks very flawed. Uh, at Chicago. And here's one of the the issues with playing the schedule game before the season starts. I think everybody and their brother thought that that game in New York on November 20th was a W, right? Mm -hmm. The New York Giants look like a pretty darn good football team, right? Don't look too terrible. No, not at all. Oh, we'll be be interested. And then, of course, uh, the next thing you know, I mean, it's creeping up on us. It's incredible. The next thing you know, it's the Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, you know, and, and Buffalo comes to town. So, you know, kind of a tough stretch, a couple winnable games in there to be sure. But, uh, you know, when you dig yourself this hole as the Lions have sitting at one and five right now, um, unfortunately, I think things just start to roll downhill. And that's exactly what we saw in Dallas today. Absolutely. You know, uh, Sean, it's a, it's been the first time in a long time that I look at the schedule and say the winnable games might be our division games. Those might be the games that we can actually say you could pencil a win in there. The, you know, Buffalo, the Giants, those are even Miami. Those are not going to be easy games, but our division right now looks to be so up in the air that those Green Bay and Chicago games are nowhere near as scary as they would usually be this time of year. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, we'll see what happens. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, listen, the good news is it is a different culture and these guys are positive. And of course, we'll talk to Frank Ragnow on the, uh, the show uh, with Paul W. Smith, of course, six and nine here on seven sixty WJO or JR. We have uh, Frank on uh, Tuesday mornings. We'll we'll get Frank's take on things. As you know, he was telling us last week that you know he had played in that uh, place a few times. Of course, Jerry Jones, the Arkansas guy, had Arkansas in there, and uh, it is an experience. That is one place I have not had a chance to get to yet. I have not been to that monstrosity. I, I went to Old Texas Stadium but mm. never had a chance to get to uh, the place that they uh, not so affectionately call Jerry world. Uh, Jerry Lions cool. lose today uh, 24 to six in a game, uh, Eric, that I, I just have to say it one more time. It was a chore watching and I hate that feeling. I, you know, I've joked for years. I'm taking off to the cider mill and, and everything. Uh, today was one of those days. I contemplated taking off to the cider mill, even <laughs> in a close game. You know, because it was, okay, what's going to happen? And little did we know it would be a couple interceptions and a couple fumbles that would do them in. 
All yeah, right. no, I agree. I know uh, the Wings are playing right now. We're keeping an eye on what they're doing. But just in case uh, you're listening in, uh, yes, we're going to talk a little Red Wings, uh, even as they're playing the Ducks. And I know, Eric, you have a question for Wings fans that we will get to after we take this time out. Don't you go anywhere. We're halfway through another edition of Sports Wrap here on a Sunday night. He is Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you can join us wherever you may be on 760 WJR. Well, good evening. Glad you could join us here. Sports Wrap on a Sunday night, 760 WJR. Sean Belegian and Eric Dorch sitting in with you. Wings are on top of the Ducks right now. Uh, three to one. Uh, late second period. Uh, Wings off to a good start. 2-0-2, of course, uh, if if we were to nitpick Eric, uh, which is part of what we have to do in this business, you can mm-hmm. say the ones that got away, the last couple of games were the ones that got away, in particular that Friday night uh, loss to the Hawks where the Wings uh, looked to be in complete control. But all things said, I think they're playing well. I think they're playing better. I, I, I'm in particular, I'm I'm really uh, pleased with the way they're playing in their own end. And I know that's got to make every Red Wing fan very excited as well. Absolutely. I, I you know, and, and it kind of leads into the question I had. And it, again, 2-0-2, two, oh, two, uh, they, they came off to a hot start. They're looking very nice tonight uh, against Anaheim. But I guess for you, Sean, you're kind of the hockey guy, you know, when I, I'll be I'll be honest when I have questions about the game in any way I usually will text Sean even if it's late at night and he's upset that I woke him up but uh my my question for you is this team appears to be showing signs of improvement they seem to be a little bit more uh you know put together what kind of sample size how long of a how much of a sample size do you feel you need before you can understand where this team is when it comes to the 2022-2023 season that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times, Eric, um, we have a tendency to overthink this, you know, and I'll give you an example. It wasn't like the Red Wings were firing on all cylinders last year, but they weren't poor either. And when the bottom dropped out in in early February, I mean, it dropped out and it plummeted and it got quickly to the point where even – with some of the things that that Coach Blaschel had to deal with uh, mm-hmm. in terms of development and not having the kind of talent that, you know, any coach would want, it became crystal clear and apparent that you had to make a coaching change. So uh, with that being said, I don't envision a scenario like that happening. happening. Mm-hmm. I think my mind, I think late November, I, I think if 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 you're in a in a really good position in in late November, I, I think you know let's revisit this a month from now. You know, right around Thanksgiving time, if they're in a really good position by then, then you start to think to yourself, okay, hey, you know what? Maybe this team is a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, and it, it's interesting because one of the things that that people keep talking about is, you know, well, can the Red Wings get in the playoffs? What can the Red Wings do this year? Uh, I'm a firm believer in what Steve Eiserman is doing, mm-hmm. uh, but Steve Eiserman wanted to do a five-year plan. And if you're following along, 
you know, this is this is year four. You know, you had the 1920 season, which was the weird season. Mm-hmm. You had the 2021 season. You had the 21-22 season. And now you've got the 22-23 season. And it's interesting because uh, Coach Alone said the same thing. He, he was like, hey, listen, Steve's always thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm thinking about what we can do today. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's kind of their mentality. Eric, maybe, just maybe. You know, I, I thought they would be on the outside looking in, just on the outside looking in this year. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but the one thing I'll say about this league, and I, I think in particular this division, right now, this Atlantic division, is, boy, the parody is insane. I think this division as a whole, you know, you're talking about a grand total of four points separating first and last place in the division right now. And two teams that played for the Stanley Cup, you know, just a a little over a a year and a couple months ago are in last place right now with Montreal and, and Tampa. So, you know, everybody's between 10 points and six points. So uh, is, is that something the, the, the wings are going to have to contend with? Yes, but parity is, is, seems to be the name of the game early on this NHL season. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, as, as I asked that question, I, I was kind of with you that it's a month or to me, it's the quarter pole. If you get to the quarter pole and this team, you know, 20 games and this team is, you know, chugging along pretty well, they're, they're in games and having a shot to win games, it, you can't doubt them. It means that they've they've got something going. They want to keep building off of it. And uh, I'm like you, I'm kind of every day I kind of yo-yo between just barely on the outside looking in and maybe last man in. Uh, I think this team, if they can keep playing the way they are, have absolutely have the capability to get in the playoffs. Now, let me be fair. That's get in the playoffs, not go super far in the playoffs. We all know how tough it is to win Stanley Cups. And we all know that it, it, you know, this is not a one year thing. You, sure. know, you don't get in and go. It's very rare. So I think this team absolutely has the capability. We have a lot, long ways to go, but, you know, 20 games, somewhere in a month, I I feel we'll have a very nice picture of what this team's going to look like, and I'm hoping it's going to be one that's got playoff aspirations. Well, and, you know, Eric, to your point, I, I, I go back to the day that Steve Eisenman was hired, and, you know, he said all along the goal wasn't just to get into the playoffs. The goal was to have that, that, you know, that long-standing success and, and that feeling that every single year the Detroit Red Wings have a chance to win it all. And I think all one has to do is look no further than than that Tampa model. You know, it took them a couple of years to get going. But once they got going, you know, they, they made it to the finals. And let's be honest, it took them a few more years until they eventually won the Stanley Cup. But even with their... <clears throat> "Quote unquote struggles right now is they they only sit at three and three. Um, I'm not getting in that line that says, oh, the run's over for the Tampa Lightning. Oh, it it it's done. I I I refuse to get in that line when you have the talent that they have still to this day and the talent that they have at their disposal. Uh, there's no way you can count a team like that out. And as good as the Red Wings are, as good as the Red Wings are, and they really are." Eric, I don't think anybody can deny that this is an improved roster. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a high-end talent issue with this team. I, I I still do. Now, are there guys that could develop that way and 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 you know become that quote unquote high-end talent? Well, yes, absolutely, positively, that's the case. But I I, I still I still think there's a little talent discrepancy there. 
Well, and I, I don't disagree with you as, as I see Steve Eisman on the TV watching, you know, very closely making the decisions. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I think you and I, particularly because when you look at the high end talent, I mean, Raymond and Sider, they're still very young, very new to this league, but they've, you know, they've both shown signs that are very capable of playing this league. Obviously, Verona is a guy that can play very well. And I think when everybody talks about high end talent, everybody goes, well, we have Dylan Larkin. And you've said it best of all over the years. Dylan Larkin is a good hockey player. player. He's a good player. Now, notice we're saying good and we're emphasizing good because he's there, but there's definitely a tier of hockey player. You could say that's just a little bit above him. There's no knock on him. He's a very solid. He's already got a goal tonight. He's a very solid hockey player. But yes, I agree with you. When you talk about superstar, I don't think the Red Wings have found it yet. Or if they have found it, we just don't know for sure that they're going to be that yet. Obviously, there's a lot of young talent on this team. Uh, it's just going to be, can any of them step up to that level? Well, and it's interesting that you bring that. Eric, I can't tell you how many times in the last few years people have done the, are you crazy? What? what you don't like Larkin? <laughs> I, and, and I always say the same thing. I never said that. Mm -hmm. I will take Dylan Larkin on my team every day. I want Dylan Larkin here. I think in recent years, what I've seen in this town, just one man's opinion, I think we have the unique ability to put people on pedestals that they don't belong in this town. I, I The Tigers in particular the last few years, it is amazing. We have taken guys that are major leaguers, and turn them into something. And uh, I'm not saying that Dylan Larkin is a run-of-the-mill player because, you know, you'd go to war with a guy like that. But I think there's a difference when you're talking about caliber of player, when you're talking about Steve Eiserman, mm -hmm. when you're talking about Sergei Fedorov, when you're talking about Pavel Datsuk, even Hank Zetterberg before some of the injuries started to take their toll. I think those are players that you can look at and go, well, those are stars. Those, those are stars. Dylan Larkin's a very good player. Do I do I call him a star? No, I don't. And that's okay. And that that's okay, you know? Yeah, I, there you got to look back. The, the, over the years, teams are comprised of a million different things. Yes, superstars are key, but you still need to have those guys that are very reliable. They're not flash, they're you know, they're not wild, but they're going to get their job done. Dylan Larkin is that kind of guy. He absolutely is. And to go to that, we have this we have this need to compare and put guys in, on, on pedestals, as you said. I remember very early on last season when uh, Mo Sider emerged and looked like he was a really solid hockey player. I heard people saying like, oh, we've, uh, uh, we've found like the next Lindstrom. Well, no, you haven't. Nick Lindstrom's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of talent. And, oh, by the way, I hate to break it to you, they don't play alike at all. I, 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 Sean, you'll know better than I do. I don't remember ever seeing Nick Lindstrom hit someone. If he did, it was very rare. That's all that most cider likes to hit people. There's no comparison at all, other than they play the same position. So, yes, have we found a guy that has potential to be a great defensive talent? Absolutely can't argue it. He's not number five because there's never going to be another number five. Eric, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but uh, as you know, and for the benefit of our uh, listening audience out there that perhaps don't know this, uh, I've been very fortunate to call a lot of hockey games over the years, and mm -hmm. you know, really at every level. I mean, college games, NHL games, uh, and I, I loved calling junior games the most. I really did. And no disrespect to any other league, I just had a blast with junior games. And I was talking to a bunch of scouts uh, at a Whalers game a few years back, and I basically asked every one of them. I said, what makes Nick Lidstrom, you know, arguably the best defenseman we'll see in our lifetime? And mm -hmm. I always talk about guys that I've seen. I didn't see the great Bobby Orr. I didn't. 
So I always talk about guys that I saw in my lifetime. And it was amazing. All these scouts, not standing near one another, mind you, all went back to the same thing. His hockey sense, his IQ, his brain, his vision. It was things that you couldn't measure. And that's what made Nick uh, just such an incredible player. He, he really was. It was everything. It, and that's what made him, again, one of the best defensemen we've, we've ever seen in our lifetime. I want to get your take on the Pistons. Uh, full disclosure, I've, I've only seen them one full game and parts of other games. But I know a lot of people are excited about that. We'll take a look. At the NFL as well. Don't you go anywhere. Final segment of Sports Wrap on a Sunday night. He is Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. This is 760 WJR. All right. Welcome back in. Uh, final segment of Sports Wrap here on a Sunday night. 760 WJR. Eric Dorch, Sean Belegian in for Chris Renwick. Uh, Eric, um, you know, it's interesting when you look at all the teams here in Detroit. It's 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 the patience game right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I like what I've seen out of Brad Holmes from the Lions. I'm going to say it again. I like what I've seen out of Troy Weaver. How can you not love what you've seen out of Steve Eiserman? And then there's the Tigers. We'll wait and see on that. <laughs> but uh, the Pistons, uh, not off to the start that they wanted. They're one and two. But I think there is some reason for optimism for this team. I, I, I really do, as a lot of these young players – Uh, try to become a cohesive unit and try to gel. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as as Sean is to hockey, I am to basketball. I've seen all three games. I've watched as much of it as I could. And this is a team that I I absolutely, and I'm sure I'm going to get some haters here, I absolutely do believe this is a team that has the talent right now to make the NBA playoffs and and be competitive. Uh, Cade, Mac, and, and, and what's amazing about it is, and it doesn't happen a lot, the entire starting lineup has come from, I'm sorry, I take that back. Four of the five have come from uh, the recent draft picks made by that front office, made by Troy Weaver. Cade McNamara, or Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey look to be an amazing backcourt. You've got uh, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey, who were both draft picks. Isaiah Stewart is just a beast down low. He gets rebounds. He, I, I hate to do this because we talked about how people will have the tendency to compare. He really does remind me a lot of Ben Wallace. He is just a very tenacious defender and a absolute great rebounder on the boards the, the with the bench they need to work on that bench a little bit to get some points but they've got great talent coming off the bench and they just seem to play well together and really really work as a cohesive uh starting five and eric you know i i don't i don't think it's that crazy to think that the the pistons get in the playoffs this year mm-hmm. I, I really don't you know i I think, uh, you, you know, you get some argument if somebody says, oh, the Tigers are going to make the playoffs. You get some argument if somebody says the Lions are going to make the playoffs. Maybe not as much for the Wings. I I, I don't think it's crazy at all if, if this team no. makes the playoffs this year. I really don't. Well, again, it, it's all going to depend. You know, it, it's so hard with these quote-unquote super teams we see in the league because some of them have immense success. Some of them struggle all the way up until the playoffs that this Pistons team, if they can, you know, I, I think they can absolutely stay a, a top eight team. You know, that's a 500, you know, ball club. They're more than capable of that. Uh, and it's, it's no surprise over the last, I don't know, I'll say decade, the East has not has been anywhere near as strong as the West uh, when it comes to toughness of schedule and, you know, getting into the playoffs. But uh, as long as they can stay healthy, as long as they don't have any of these big name guys they have right now uh, suffer any long-term injuries, 
like I said, the starting five looks great. They have some great players coming off the bench to, uh, you know, to, to offer a nice spark. And I, I'm a hundred percent all in on Jaden Ivy, uh, at shooting guard. This guy just seems to understand how to score the basketball. He's got to work a little bit on knowing when he needs to do that and when he needs to kind of move the ball a little bit. But if he can get that figured out, that backcourt is one of the top backcourts in the league and could be very, very tough to handle. It was a good watch opening night. That mm-hmm. was Eric. That was the game that that I saw. I, I, I made a point to say, okay, uh, Wednesday night, I'm watching this game. Friday night, it just way too much going on. And then, unfortunately, yesterday I, I had a broadcast, so I didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, I made a point to watch it on Wednesday as they knocked off Orlando 113-109. Unfortunately fell on the road at New York and at Indiana. They are back in action in Washington uh, on Tuesday before they return back home, back-to-back home games against the Atlanta Hawks. So I think this is an exciting team, Eric. Uh, certainly a lot more reason to watch this team uh, than, than we've seen in quite a few years, frankly. I, I think, if I may be so bold, I, I think there was a period of years where the Pistons were like a hamster running on the wheel. Sometimes they were running really hard and really fast, but they weren't going anywhere. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people just thought, well, eventually things are going to turn and it just didn't. And I think Troy Weaver knew that better than anybody. And so, you know, bit the bullet knowing that they were going to have some uh, low seasons, but uh, had the patience to see it through and now starting to reap some of the fruits of that labor and that that is exciting in and of itself um eric early thoughts on a game that you'll be able to hear right here on 760 wjr uh michigan and michigan state uh, next saturday i i know i can hear people saying it's a rivalry game state always does well especially if you're talking about the betting line i mean heck eric they've won uh, 10 out of the last 14 and five and two in their last seven in Ann Arbor. I just think the major difference in this game in 2022, the major with a capital M heck, I'm going to put all caps in the word major. Okay. Is the line play on both sides of the ball. I, j- I think that Michigan is going to impose their will on Michigan state. Well, Sean, you know, it's a rivalry game and I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you that at all. You said it. So I had to say it. Oh, look, uh, if you've listened to this broadcast at all, there's no way I, I I can't hide it. I obviously made some blue. I bleed that, Uh, but you know what? It's, it's kind of like Ohio state, the record Michigan state has had over the last, you know, decade against us. It makes it very, very hard for me to jump out in front and be like, Oh, this is simple. This is easy. We're on, we're on the next week because it's never that these two teams always play well against each other. Having said that, because this Michigan team is so complete, because I think that Michigan state has some serious talent. It's just, they're having a hard time getting it all going at the same time. Uh, I think this is a Michigan win. And I think this is a, a little bit of a easier Michigan win, but again, this is Michigan state. This is a late night in Ann Arbor. Yes. We all remember trouble with the snap and all that. It's never over until that final, you know, final play, but 
I think this is a year where Michigan can maybe be a little bit more comfortable. They they just seem to be very, very competitive on both sides of the ball. And as you said, that line, if that line can uh, can move Michigan State's defense, we're going to have a very nice day watching Blake Corum and, and uh, Edwards run the ball. And if that defensive line can, you know, can be effective and can make it a little tough on that Michigan State offense, that's, that's kind of what you need to win, and that's what you need in every game to win. And I think that's something Michigan can definitely, definitely do. Make sure you check it out with uh, Steve Courtney, the pregame show here on your home for the Spartans, uh, 760 uh, WJR. I'll, I'll tell you what, I've seen some surprises in my lifetime. There are a few games, I think, longtime Spartan fans like yours truly. Uh, the 93 game comes to mind. I think the 01 game uh, comes to mind. Uh, really, I mean, when you think about it, the 17 game, uh, the, the night game in 17 comes to mind for a lot of people. Uh, this would be the biggest surprise. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be complaining about it six days from now. <laughs> I wouldn't be complaining about it at all. But uh, this this would be a big, big surprise. Uh, Eric, uh, always a pleasure doing this with you. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. I hope so. Uh, great job. Love chatting with you. Uh, Danielle back at the studio. Thank you as always for everything uh, that you do. App appreciate it behind the scenes. Uh, Eric, uh, quickly, who do you like in the World Series? It's it's looking like it's going to be the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. It's a dumb question, but it has to be asked. Who do you like? I'll take the Phillies. Give me the Phillies. I do Whoa! like them. I do. I like them. Yes. Well, they got the mojo right now. Make no Why mistake not? about that. Absolutely. You? Uh, Astros. Astros. Okay. Yeah, it just their pitching right now is just otherworldly. That that Verlander, I'm convinced he's not a human. He's a. Scientist. We know one of those guys. Yeah, he's he's not too terrible. We got to get out of here. Gridiron Wrap coming up next. Have yourselves a fantastic rest of the evening. Stick around for Gridiron Wrap. Bill Keenis, yours truly, here on 760 WJR. Good night, everybody.